In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The liturgy presents to our attention today the third manifestation of our Lord, His third epiphany. We have seen these past two weeks His first two manifestations. First, we have been contemplating His epiphany to just a few, a humble but yet powerful manifestation of a little infant lying in the manger and visited by the most powerful and the most the lowliest creatures, kings, wise men, and poor shepherds. Second, he has manifested his presence to us as God and men at his own baptism, received from the hands of the great Saint John the Baptist. This second manifestation, more public, more powerful, has shown to the world that he was not a common man, but from above, as from heaven, a voice was heard, Thou art, thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. And a pure dove, like a spirit sent by God the Father, came down and rested upon him, to signify to all those present that Christ, the anointed one, Jesus our Lord, was, in fact, his beloved son. Now, for the third time, God reveals himself in the second person of the Holy Trinity at the wedding feast at Cana. These three manifestations, or epiphanies, reflect the threefold mission of our Lord, as brother, savior, and redeemer. Brother, as he took upon himself the burden of our human nature, with no exception except sin. One might think that because not affected by neither original nor actual sin, Christ was not oppressed or overwhelmed as we are with the burden of our human body. But this is, of course, a false understanding of the humanity of Jesus. It is difficult for our human mind to accept and be satisfied with any duality, since we always want to reduce everything to unity, easier for us to understand and accept. But in Christ, this duality has to be maintained and accepted. He is true God and true man. Against this, many heresies flourished from the beginning of the church history. Either one would reject his humanity, the fact that he was man, and they believed that our Lord only appeared to have a body, the incarnation being a scandal for our human mind, it was then easy to fall into the trap of the evil one by rejecting Christ's human nature. Or one, on the contrary, would reject Christ as true God, and thus Christ would have been adopted in a way by God and filled with the Holy Spirit. St. <clears throat> Thomas gives three reasons why Christ had to assume such a body. First, if he would have taken a body not subjected to sufferings and pains, then we would have certainly been doubtful regarding his human nature. Second, to set us an example of patience, fortitude and perseverance in times of small and great adversities as he did. 
As St. Augustine says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The strength of Christ created you. The weakness of Christ created you anew. The strength of Christ caused that to be which was not. The weakness of Christ caused that was that what was should not perish. He fashioned us by his strength. He sought us by his weakness. Finally, he was truly human because of the very purpose of the incarnation, which is our own redemption. He came to us as Savior in order to satisfy for the sins of humankind. He had to bear the weight of the consequences of sin, suffering and death. And this third reason is clearly expressed in the second epiphany, in the Magi's visitation. They brought him the incense for his true God, the gold for his true king, true ruler, head of the human race, and myrrh, for soon he would die and be embalmed, ultimate proof of his mission as Savior. Now, at the wedding feast of Cana, not only does he recall to our attention the fullness of his human nature, first by presenting us to us his own mother publicly, meaning his true man, born of a mother, and by attending a wedding, a party, where I'm sure good food and good beverages were certainly served to rejoice everyone's hearts and mouth. But he takes advantage of the occasion to reaffirm once more his divine nature by performing this miraculous, this famous miracle. And in this miracle is also reaffirmed his mission as not only Savior, but Redeemer. This new, delicious and miraculous wine would soon become his precious and redemptive blood shed on the cross for the salvation of mankind. From the holy water of baptism poured on our foreheads, the gates of heaven are now open, and the flood of his delicious wine of redemption can be received now by the soul and become a remedy against the power of darkness. A beautiful connection can also be established between each of these three manifestations or epiphanies of our Lord, His Nativity, His Baptism, and Cana. This is not of Catholic dogma, and I'm not familiar with any doctor of the Church that wrote about it, but I think this can help us penetrate the mystery of this unfortunately underrated Feast of our Lord. Remember that the Epiphany used to have a full octave of celebration. Each of these epiphanies can be related to one of the three theological virtues, charity, faith, and hope. First, the nativity, as the most beautiful proof of love one could ever receive, an infant God given to men. Supernatural charity is God's life in our soul. In his nativity, God gives himself to us by taking upon himself our own nature with its struggles, its weaknesses, its passions, except sin. Second, in his baptism now, John the Baptist makes the first act of faith in the divinity of our Lord, 
and in the power of the sacraments given to the church. What do you ask of the church of God? Faith. What does faith offer you? Everlasting life. As the priest asks the catechumen before his baptism. And finally, Cana, the prefiguration of Christ's passion and death in the miracle of the wine is a sign of hope, as if he was telling everyone present, receive first this purifying water of baptism, and I will change this water into my own redeeming blood. Hope and do not fear. Your redemption is near if you only dare to take up your cross and to walk at my side. So may this triple epiphany of our Lord increase in us a deeper love for Him, supernatural charity, and a more truthful charity among us. May it increase in us the faith in the power of His sacraments and in His church, one Catholic and holy. May it increase in us the virtue of hope, supernatural hope that sees beyond the darkness of our times and enjoy already a foretaste of the beatitude to come, despite all sadness and misery. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.